Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Very eager to share with you today the second part of our little mini series entitled The Queenship of Mary. And what I'm doing is following up on our Fatima broadcast because at Fatima, repeatedly, Revelation 12 kept coming up in the papal homilies. Revelation 12, Revelation 12, Revelation 12, and now most recently with Pope Francis, Revelation 12. Last time we looked at Revelation 12, and we saw it it talked about a great sign in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And we looked at the opening scene of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and the first three verses of chapter 2, where the entire universe is to display the kingship of Christ. Men and women created in God's image are supposed to have dominion or kingly rulership over the creation. And he says in in Genesis 1, he made the sun to rule the day. In other words, the sun and its majesty is a sign of kingship. It's a visible reminder that all the universe is kingly in a sense that it's under the reign of our creator God. And then he made the moon to rule the night. Well, again, this is exactly what Revelation 12 is talking about, that this woman has this royal dignity. And it occurs in the context uh, in the book of Revelation of a great conflict that's been going on since Genesis chapter 3 throughout all human history, but it reaches a point of intensity. It reaches a a culmination point where Satan, kicked out of heaven, uh, goes after the woman who is giving birth. This is referring to the birth of Christ and, of course, the attack of Christ shortly after his birth. But then when the serpent or Satan, the accuser, can't get the woman, he goes after her offspring. That's the church. And we're really into this final battle. So we have Jesus, uh, the woman representing Mary as an icon of all the people of God, and then St. Michael is involved in this. And the fact that so many popes so many times have given reference to Revelation 12 should be a wake-up call. This should be a trumpet blast in the hearts and minds of Catholics and of Christians everywhere, Protestants too. There is something big going on that that heaven is trying to alert us to. So last time I, I ended with uh, Mary's exclamation in the Magnificat from Luke chapter 1, where she says, he has put down the mighty from their thrones. In other words, the great reversal that's coming now with the, with the coming of, of the kingship of Christ. And he's exalted those of low degree. And of course, Mary is one who in her great humility views herself as a, a little one, one of low degree. But those are precisely the ones that God exalts. So if he brings the mighty down from their thrones and exalts the little ones, well, where is he exalting them to? 
thrones, but even a greater throne than the ones that are torn down. Now, I'll tell you my goal today, and I don't know if I've ever (laughs) come anywhere close to this in a broadcast over the past, I don't know how many years I've been broadcasting, but it's more than I can count. I want to change the way you participate in Mass forever as a result of one short little broadcast today. And right along with that, I'd like to put your prayer life on rocket boosters. Now, that's quite a claim. And uh, just say a little prayer right now because uh, this is beyond my human ability, but if we can have ears to hear something, what God is doing with Mary, he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us about what he wants to do with all of his people. And Mary is the prototype. Um, She is the one who is leading the way that God wants us to follow. You remember last time I mentioned driving past the shrine in Orlando, Florida, was Mary, Queen of the Universe, and I just shook my head and said, this is too much. Okay, I can see Mary's a great woman. I can even see praying the rosary, but boy, when you come to that last glorious mystery, you know, Mary Crown is Queen of Heaven and Earth. Isn't this too much? Well, see, that's the royal dignity that Revelation chapter 12 is talking about. And if you really want, particularly Protestants, Uh, If you really want Revelation 12 open for you, Cardinal Newman has a little booklet entitled Mary the Second Eve, and it will do biblical theology for you. The better you know your Bible, the better you'll understand Revelation 12 once you read Cardinal Newman's booklet. But what I want to focus on today is the royal dignity of you who are listening to this broadcast, because not only Mary has God done too much, and making her queen of heaven, honestly, is too much. It's way over the top. Taking a little one and exalting her to be the queen of the universe? What about you? Do you know who you are? Do you know your royal dignity? Do you know that you have a mother I mean, if you're a Christian, okay, you have a mother. Her name is Mary. And you may be an evangelical, Mary's not my mother. Well, listen to me a minute. Jesus is on the cross. And he says to Mary, he doesn't say mother, does he? What does he say? Woman. Ah, just like the great sign of the woman in Revelation chapter 12. Mary is at the foot of the cross along with St. John, the beloved disciple. And Mary is addressed by Jesus, woman, behold thy son. And then he says to the beloved disciple, behold your mother. Now, he could have easily say, John, you would think he would address him personally. Well, there's a little nuance because John being called the beloved disciple, who are you, Christian? You are a beloved disciple. Do you see how this works? And Mary is the mother of all beloved disciples. So there is a royal dignity, because if Mary is your mother, that means you're in a royal 
family. Christians have such little understanding, particularly here in America. We don't even know what a king is, really, except when we watch uh, some some movie. But other than that, our only contact with kingship is extremely abstract. And yet we're in a royal family. And not someday, today. Right now, as you're hearing my voice, you are in a royal family. Now, I'm going to read three or four verses from the New Testament, from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, maybe you can just say a prayer for yourself that you would have ears to hear. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now, verse 6, this is where you need grace to just hear this. And raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us, in Jesus Christ. Let me take you on a science fiction travel to a new dimension, okay? Let's imagine that there was some kind of, uh, kind of time travel uh, machine, but this is a, a, a dimensional machine where you get in and you shoot off, and after you go at, at light speed, you go through some kind of vortex, and you enter the heavenly realm. And before your eyes is the omnipotent God. And a lot of people portray God as kind of this user-friendly half-senile grandfather in heaven. That's why we can get away with all kinds of sins. You'll never see what we're doing and everything else. But to see the omnipotent God in all his glory is actually the most terrifying experience a human can encounter. And when you're just about ready to die of a heart attack, he glances at you and welcomes you into his throne room and to approach his throne instead of being just dead on the spot coming into the awesome throne room of God, he invites you, since his throne's rather big, to sit with him in his throne from which all the universe is ruled by his kingly majesty. Okay, well, good thing that's science fiction because that'll never happen. Really? Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 again. He says, He raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This isn't future science fiction. This is past tense. This is the status of the children of God. God is the great king. And the great king calls us to be his children. It's not a metaphor. He, he, the, when he calls something, it's real. His word created the universe. His word 
makes us the children of God. We're part of the royal family. And already, right now, we are reigning as princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. This is who we are this minute. He has raised us up and made us sit with him. Where is he sitting? He's sitting on the throne of heaven. So you see, when you say that Mary being queen of heaven, that's too much. Yes, it is. I agree fully. It is way too much. And I'll tell you what's even, <laughs> what's even over the top, beyond comprehension. We, who have never been preserved from the stain of original sin, are dead in our trespasses and sins. He not only, you know, you think, uh, and, and really, this is tough to believe that God can love and redeem me even though I have sinned against him. And you think, wow, what could be greater than that? Well, he takes it a step further. God goes way further. Yes, he forgives our sins, but he restores us. And then he brings us into his royal family and allows us to sit with him on his throne ruling the universe. And I'm talking about today. Again, Ephesians 2, 6, he has raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you know, how many of us have even given thought to this in the last 365 days? How many have even given a, a minute to consider who we are and what God has called us to in this moment of time? And you think, well, Steve's really got one today. Where did he cook this one up? I didn't cook it up. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, listen to section 1003. United with Christ by baptism, believers already, already, already truly participate in the heavenly life of the risen Christ. Already. Well, where, where exactly is the heavenly life of the risen Christ? Well, we know he ascended, the king ascended to his throne in heaven, and we already participate with him. Uh, no, how, 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 uh, how do you get this? How, can this? how can this be? Well, have you ever gone to Mass? And have you ever engaged with the prayers of the faithful? Do you realize what is going on at that moment? Do you realize that the king of the universe is allowing his people, his royal children, at every mass going on in every country of the world to participate in his heavenly reign? Stumbling through mass is some kind of external obligation and like, oh, I'm just watching stuff go. No, this is the control room. This is the throne of the universe. And our prayers are being joined with God's will for the universe. Those prayers are so important. And yes, God forgives us. He certainly redeems us. He restores us and brings us into his royal covenant family, making us princesses and princes in his kingdom. This is what goes on in mass. It's a joining of heaven and of earth. How does this happen? 
I don't know. And honestly, um, I think it's possible to read Ephesians chapter 2 and the verse I've already read three or four times already in this broadcast. I think it's entirely possible to read this verse every day of your life and just have it escape your understanding. And I think that's one of the reasons he's given all Christians who are beloved disciples a mother. And yes, he has gone over the top. He has pulled the mighty down from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. To what? The throne. And that's why we have the queenship of Mary. That's why Catholics have a feast every year for the queenship of Mary. That's why Catholics, when they pray the glorious mysteries of the rosary, have the culmination of the entire rosary, Mary being ushered in as queen, crowned of heaven and earth. We think, well, that's Mary. She made it. You are too. But not just are going to make it. That's who you are today. You think you don't understand. I'm not perfect. I know that. I'm not perfect either. But it doesn't quite say in Ephesians 2, 6, you have to be perfect. No, we're redeemed. We're forgiven. We're restored. We're part of the royal family. We can say to the great king, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what happens. Now, God has done for Mary what he is doing and will do for all of us, but he just does it in a preeminent degree for Mary. And it's a faith builder for all of us. So uh, why, why Mary, first of all? Well, first of all, think of this. Jesus's humanity came from Mary. She is the mother of the great king on the throne. And if you look in the Old Testament, you see prefigurings of this in the Davidic kingdom. If you look at the opening page of the New Testament, you're supposed to get the clue real quick that David is a real big name in all of the Old Testament. In other words, uh, Abraham and David, Jesus is the son of Abraham, Jesus is the son of David. And that genealogy is to highlight that. But there's three sets of 14 generations. And if you go through um, in Hebrew, that number when you add up the various letters of David, which in Hebrew is simply DVD, just like the things you put in your player to watch a movie, DVD in, in Hebrew is 14. So you have 14, 14, 14. In other words, get it through your head. David's very important. So we're to look at the Davidic kingdom as the prefiguring of the great kingdom. And if you wanna see what's kind of going on in the heavenly court today, you have an imperfect but good preview through the Davidic kingdom, David's kingdom in the Old Testament. It foreshadows the Messiah's kingdom in this day. Now, in the Davidic kingdom, as well as the ancient kingdoms and the nations surrounding Israel in the Old Testament, there was the queen mother. And uh, we have like our first ladies, the wife of a president in the United States. Well, why would you have a queen mother in such a regal or royal position versus the wife of the king? Well, I said it wasn't perfect back then. And back then, even some of 
God's people had more than one wife. In fact, they frequently had multiple wives. Now, can you imagine what would happen at a White House dinner if there were a half a dozen first ladies? Uh, I personally wouldn't want to get near it. Um, there'd be just a lot of conflict. But how many mothers can you have? Only one. And so in the context, you wanted to have a queen. And the royal mother was the, the chief. It's not to say that the wife of the king didn't have an important role, but the queen mother was the first lady in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, you can come to the royal court of King Solomon. And King Solomon was the son of David. What was Jesus called, by the way? The son of David. Okay, so Solomon is prefiguring the son of David, foreshadowing the royal court of Jesus. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, we find this. And again, there's some uh, intrigue here. This isn't a perfect situation, but this shows how the royal court works. They came to and said, ask Solomon, this is to the queen mother, and he will not refuse you. Okay, so if you want the king to do something, uh, where do you go? You go to the queen mother. She was the first lady in ancient Israel in the kingdom. And so Bathsheba, the queen mother, went to her son, King Solomon, to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And as the queen mother comes in the royal court, this is the scene. And the king rose to meet her. Uh, kings don't rise when somebody comes in their court. People come in and kneel or bow down or prostrate themselves. But when the queen mother comes in, the king rose to meet her, the great dignity of that queen mother, and bowed down to her. And then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. If you want a little preview of what the throne room of heaven looks like right now, it's this. And nobody <laughs> would think that a queen would rise and bow to anyone, particularly the king of heaven, but the royal dignity of the queen mother who played such a critical role, and I'm talking about Mary at this point, there wouldn't be an incarnation if it wasn't for Mary. There wouldn't be the plan of redemption happening if it wasn't for Mary. Uh, Jesus knew that more than anybody in the universe, and he will show his mother the royal dignity. That's why last broadcast, I, as a friend, said to Protestant listeners, you can, and I'm not encouraging this, don't get me wrong, but you can criticize a catechism of the Catholic Church, you can criticize the Pope, you can criticize the Council of Trent. Just as a friend, I would suggest to you, keep your mouth shut when it comes to the mother of Jesus Christ. This is what goes on in heaven when she comes into the royal court. Be very cautious here. So in any case, then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, remember, this is the son of David, Solomon. Solomon prefiguring the son of David, Jesus. Make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. All right. Now that was, well, about 1,000 B.C., okay, so about 3,000 years ago. 
So how does all this apply today? Well, we saw that we have royal dignity as princes and princesses in the royal court, especially during the liturgy of the Mass, when we participate through our prayers of petitions to the great king. Guess what? This might blow your mind, but he, he, that this is part of the plan of God ruling the universe for us, totally unworthy, but to participate with him. But how about this? How, how do we get this special, you know, you know, it's access. You know, you can write a letter to somebody you don't know, but if somebody knows the president of a corporation or is the brother-in-law of the president of the United States, put in a word for me. Well, how do you get a word put in to the king of heaven? Well, you do this thing called the rosary. Every time you're picking up the rosary, you have access to the throne room of heaven with special access to the most powerful intercessor in all of heaven. King Solomon said to the queen mother, make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Uh, This is pretty big stuff. And this is where if you, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, as a prince or a princess, You can make your petitions straight to the throne room of heaven. And I know the Protestant objection. I can pray straight to God. And yes, you can. And you have a dignity way beyond what you imagine. But I know that if you wanted a job, let's just say I was a president of a corporation and you were going to write me a kind of a cold call letter. Or if you knew the queen mother who would put in a word on your behalf, what would you do? Of course, you would pick up the rosary and petition the queen mother to ask of her son. This is how the universe works. And it's not science fiction. It's not theological fiction. God has taken us through the scriptures and particularly through these ancient throne room scenes to give us pictures into what's going on right now. Pope Pius XII said that Mary's the queen of heaven, exalted above all choirs of angels and saints, standing at the right hand of her only son, Jesus Christ our Lord. She intercedes powerfully for us with a mother's prayers, obtains what she seeks, and cannot be refused. I'm Steve Wood, and you've been listening to Faith and Family. We have been talking about Mary, Queen of Heaven, and I realize that for many this is an objection to the Catholic faith. I'm hoping that these two broadcasts might be a powerful attraction to the Catholic faith. May God bless you and your family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.